Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. What's up, y'all? It's week 11. The Ducks laid an egg. Bama and Clemson bounce back. The Buckeye spoils Joe Be- Joe's betting line. And Navy gave Notre Dame a scare. But the real question is, is Georgia becoming the next SEC dynasty? What's up, Trash Talkers? Welcome back to the College Football Roundtable. Or if you prefer, Ring Knocker Radio, but we call it two O's and an NCO around these parts these days. I'm your host, Rob, out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We've got Dano Ikebesa out of Coastal Connecticut and 10-0 Trigger Joe. He's enjoying some of the weather in the home of the big house. How's it going today, it's actually guys? It's actually raining a little bit of flakes right now, but it's nice. Oh, beautiful. I watched Liberty at UConn and Army at Troy. I had a bunch of other games on in the background, but those two like consumed my attention completely. I mean, Liberty is a good team, and UConn forced turnovers, got their power running game going, and then started hitting downfield passes, and their pass rush just did the rest. Like, Liberty punched back, got a couple of long drives or a couple of long runs and stuff, but UConn got a sack fumble six, bunch of other big plays, crazy, crazy game. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the game, they're throwing all over the place. Like, that was wild. Great, great football game. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, Army, we're going to talk about this on the other show ad nauseum, but they just self-destructed. I mean, what can you do? Joe, how about you? Yeah, you know, I watched, uh, I, I was juiced for, uh, UFC 281. Um, and so I was, you know, I was watching football and just kind of counting down to the early prelims. Uh, I watched a little bit of Michigan. Uh, Mississippi and Alabama was a hell of a game. And I did mention on the show that Mississippi plus 12, uh, was like Vegas just daring you to do it. Um, <laughs> and, and they, and it held up, man. It was a great game. Uh, Alabama is supposed to win that game, and they did. But uh, Mississippi showed some heart. That was that was fun to watch. Uh, Michigan just kind of bored me. So uh, Tulane UCF was a great football game. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and I think yeah. both teams showed a lot of heart in that one. And uh, yeah, that didn't really take any of the shine off of Tulane for me. Uh, maybe mm. I'm wrong, but I still I still think that Tulane's a really quality football team. They ran into an offense that scored seventy at least once this season. And it was just, they couldn't keep up. So um, really great weekend of uh, college football. And you're looking at the only guy on the UFC show that called Pereira by knockout. So I, I I had to wink at that one. Yeah, that's one of those that we have to talk about offline, but definitely that was a good night of fights. And uh, really, you know, it's always, it's a good question. And it's a great thing to talk about, even in college football is a team in your head, you know, and that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that you're starting to see. And that's, you know, as you're watching Alabama struggle this season, is it because all of, you know, Saban's former coaches are in his head now because they kind of know the way that he coaches. They know the way that he looks at defense. They understand the way that he runs the offense. Maybe there's something there, because if you look at the, the teams that are most competitive against Nick Saban, they're all assistant coaches that used to work for him at some point. So you're looking at Kirby Smart and uh, yeah, I always want to call him uh, Tosh.0. But uh, Lane, Lane, <laughs> Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. yeah. So you know, so you look at those guys, and they're they're playing with pretty well. And Sharkeesian, even then, they had a chance early in the game, and it's all because they kind of stuck underneath his tutelage, and now they're starting to pick apart, you know, some of the things. Because again, 
talent is talent. Of course, you can't stop that. But at the end of the day, when you really start peeling the onion back on, you know, the teams that are competitive against Bama, those are the teams that actually have, you know, something in common. And then, of course, there's Tennessee. But uh, (laughs) moving on to the top 10, Dan, go ahead and run these down for us if you don't mind. Georgia is 10 and 0, Ohio State is 10 and 0, Michigan is 10 and 0, TCU is 10 and 0. Those are your current top 4. Uh you got Tennessee coming in at number 5 with 9 and 1, and I keep thinking they're too high, but who are you going to put ahead of them, right? Uh LSU is number 6 at 8 and 2, and they also seem too high, but again, you know, it's kind of like who do you who do you put in front of them? Uh South, uh Southern California is 9 and 1, they're number 7. They have a legit shot, shot to sneak into the playoff I think this season. You got Bama coming in at number 8. Uh, Clemson coming in nine and one. Who knows if they can still bounce back? I kind of think that they won't though. And uh, Utah's eight and ten. I, Clemson two losses. No, did did I uh, hallucinate that? Yeah, I, I got to double check that one. But I All think right. they well, whatever. Have... Who knows? I, I could it, it, easily be wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, ra- round out the top twenty-five. Talk. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. No, I'm sorry. I was saying they definitely lost to Notre Dame, and I'm blanking on the other one. But <laughs> I thought maybe they did. You know, I, I don't follow them that closely just because I'm out of ACC country now. So <laughs> when I was in North right. Carolina, I heard about them every day. But All right, we'll look that up in a minute. Anyway, top 25 by conferences. Uh, Pac-12 has six, number seven, 10, 12, 15, 16, 25. SEC has five, but they're the top five. ACC has three. American has three. That's Tulane, Cincy, and UCF. Only two of those teams are going to go to the uh, American Conference Championship. So that's getting kind of interesting here at the end. Big 10 has three, but again, they got two and three. Big 12 has three. Sunbelt's got one. That's Coastal coming in at number 23. And Notre Dame is your sole independent at number 18 after Liberty losses. Top 25 losses this week. Number six, Oregon. Number 11, Ole Miss. Number 12, UCLA. Number 16, NC State. Number 17, Tulane. Number 18, Texas. How in hell was Texas ranked? I don't know. Number 21, Illinois. And number 24, Kentucky. Um, What do you guys got? How, how was uh Texas seven point favorites. I never I, I I never understood it. I was like, man, they are either disrespecting TCU or they're really messing with people. Uh and then TCU comes out and, and houses them. I mean it wasn't even close. So yeah, I didn't see that game going the way Vegas did and it sure did not. Yeah. And, and the score the score wasn't indicative of the physical play either. Because TCU put it on on Texas and they just couldn't convert when it got close to the end. But uh yeah, that was just one of those weird ones. And again, like I, I will hang that shingle on the Oregon Ducks every season from now until the cows come home between week 10 and week 13. They're going to drop one because they just somehow they just lose it. And again, they probably deserve to because they didn't look like ducks this weekend. They look like bananas. If you watch that game, those uniforms were tacky, 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 tacky. <laughs> so for them to lose, it suits me right down to the ground. But uh, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So circling back around, Clemson does indeed have just one loss to Notre Dame. So I guess that uh, everybody's saying that they're disqualified because Notre Dame is now was out of the top 25, but now they're back in. So who freaking knows? What a world. Yeah, that's pretty bonkers, man, to think like that one loss to to Notre Dame from Clemson feels like the end of the world for their season. And I think it's just (laughs) legit. I I think it's legitimately because, again, people are just tired of seeing Dabo and Saban. In the finals. And I mean, they were talking about, I saw a graphic this weekend and they were saying that uh, this will be the first year unless college football falls apart, that you won't have Clemson or Alabama in the playoff since the onset of the playoff history. So that's, that's kind of where this thing yeah. is going. 
Well, I'd like to see Georgia, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, assuming they win out and USC, assuming they win out. Like that's that's what I'd like to see. I mean, I think that seems fair. I don't want to see the sneak in. And I'm a Tennessee fan, but I do not want them to sneak not even playing for the conference championship. Like that's poor. I, that to me, you have to play for the conference championship. In my personal opinion. Yeah, and that's been the biggest drawback about the Big 12 too is that, you know, for so long they didn't have that championship game. It was kind of like consensus. And so mm. I think by play you win you're in. I think that's basically what it boils down to. And unfortunately, one of the one of the big conferences is going to be left out because there's only four playoff spots. Well, but I think it is what it is. A, yeah, but I think it works out better cuz like if you if you run the table in the SEC, you absolutely deserve to be there. Big 10 same thing, you know, because I mean, are, if you run the table in the East in the Big Ten, that conference is way out of balance. Yeah, you know, no. Yeah, it, who's going to beat Ohio State or Michigan from the West? Probably nobody. Always. Yeah, you yeah know? don't hold your breath on that one. Right. All right, moving on to service academies, and we t- we teased this at the beginning of the show. Like Navy at three and seven showed up with some strong belief in themselves and gave Coach Freeman an, an ulcer for sure because it was thirty five to thirty two final score and Navy was driving. Had they had another break at some point in the game, they could have won it. And I think uh, that was one of those that uh, Navy showed up like, hey, we're here to play ball. And I think Notre Dame honestly was looking past them. There's no way that the way that Notre Dame played the two previous weeks like smacking the teams around that they did, that Navy's going to creep in there and play. And I will tell you, you know, was it a fact of Notre Dame letting them hang around or has Navy improved that much throughout the course of the season? Only time will tell. We only got a couple games left really to determine that. Air Force is seven and three. They beat New Mexico 35 to three and Army is three and seven. They lost a heartbreaker to Troy 10 to nine. That's like a freaking soccer score, a high school mm-hmm. soccer game or something weird. Uh, we'll deep dive that into the uh, at the Army football show, and Army takes on UConn this week. Uh, Commander Chiefs Trophy. We'll just run through these real quick. Uh, Army holds it until next year. Uh, that or Army Air Force holds it until next year. That's the the end of that. The first time since 2016 that they won it. Yeah. And the FC. Yeah, and the FCS academies. So the Merchants Marines won their fourth straight Secretary's Cup by defeating Coast Guard 41 to 33. In their season six and three, they had 450 yards total offense. The Bears end their season three and seven. And played well enough, but uh, they just haven't been able to to get past the Merchant Marine Academy over the last couple of years. And and so if you are looking at the FCS academies, you might want to dive in at uh, Merchant Marines. Plus, they got cooler jobs on the back end. You know, Coast Guard is cool. Like if you want, oh, I don't agree drugs. with that at all. I, oh, you, I not even a little. No way. Really? You want to do some no. counter drug stuff? You could be in the Coast Guard, but it's those it's those uniforms, man. Like if your three <laughs> friends leave when you put your uniform on, you know, pride, dignity, and respect, I can't get with you. So that's kind of how it works for me. But without further ado, let's move on to Joe's Blue Falcon of the Week. Ah, that's it, Colonel Rob. I'm getting tired of this no defense style of college football. Like what happened, Kentucky? You know, you're the first team in three years to do what you did. Yeah, you lost to Vanderbilt in conference. That's right. Mm. That hasn't happened in, in three years. Um, a, Vanderbilt beating a ranked in-conference opponent. And all you had to do was hold them off the, the vaunted Vanderbilt offense that everybody has nightmares about, except that they don't. Uh, two fourth and long conversions. And, uh, man, you guys could have snuck out of there with a win and just forgotten about it. It's like, you know what I'm talking about. They turn the ugly lights on and you're like, I'm not telling my friends about this. But, uh, anyways, I won't go any further. 
Um, they could have snuck out like that with a win that they just didn't talk about, but now it's all over the place because you couldn't play defense. And Oklahoma is a, is a fresh runner up on the D-line, giving up over 200 yards to West Virginia. I knew going into that one they shouldn't be favored. I didn't want to touch that game, but wow. Um, Oklahoma really has fallen from from mm. from the elite and they literally play no defense and anyone can run all over them so d coordinators from both teams and your entire starting defenses come get your blue falcon practice jerseys because that's what you should wear all week yeah that that was some interesting got. games man like if, if, if you use the vanderbilt like actually winning this season is pretty impressive in and of itself because they've been uh stringing together kind of a wonky season but they've been putting it together they've got some wins which is a head scratcher for me, but UK, come on guys. Like you, you guys are supposed to be one of the, 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 you know, the sleepers in the division and you got mm. walloped. So that that's pretty bonkers, but uh, yep. moving on to the games of the week. Hey guys, again, Hey, we're recording this on Tuesday. So unfortunately uh, you're going to miss these if you're waiting for the lineup on this one, but you've got Bowling Green and Toledo. Again, you've got some serious Mac action starting the week. Yeah, Bowling Green and T- Toledo. You have uh, Ohio and Ball State, both on ESPN. One's on ESPNU, the other's on ESPN2. Wednesday, on the 16th, you've got Eastern Michigan at Kent State. you got Miami of Ohio and NIU, Western Michigan and Central Michigan. And again, those are all about the variety of networks. The Miami of Ohio game and the NIU game is going to be on the CBS Sports Network. Thursday, this is the warm-up for Thanksgiving. you got SMU and uh, number 17, Tulane, taking on each other, 730 at ESPN. Friday, again, like, this is pretty cool. Like, I was going to say it at the end of the show, but this is kind of like my favorite thing of this season is just having college football from Tuesday to Sunday. I mean, <laughs> like, I'm totally down with that. And sometimes the games are a lot more interesting, and you can peek in on a game that may not be the team that you would watch, but because it's the only thing on television, it kind of gives you an opportunity to watch some other teams out of conference. You got uh, USF and Tulsa, San Diego State and New Mexico State. They're playing late on Friday, so if you are uh, don't have work or anything on Sunday morning or Saturday morning, you can stay up late to watch those games because USF and Tulsa kicks at nine, and San Diego State, New Mexico kicks at 9:45 in the PM. All right, Saturday. Here's the Saturday slate. Early games. Navy is kicking at UCF at 11 o'clock in the morning. That one. Wow. Oof. I just don't know what to say about that one. I'm hoping that uh, if Navy shows up like they did against Notre Dame, that could be a good contest. But given the freaking butt whooping that UCF just put on Tulane, I I just I don't know. I don't I don't think Navy can keep up with the with uh, Central Florida on the scoreboard. But I wanted to take the under in that game, but I'm just scared. Like either one of those teams, it's just crazy. They've just been too crazy. Yeah, they're reading my mind. I, I, I mean, exactly what Daniel just said. If I if I would have said it first, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yep. Yeah, I think they've both been too inconsistent throughout the season to really kind of say, hey, their offense is good and their defense sucks. Like, you can take an over or under on that based off of whether or not they, you know, if they score 20 points a game or whatnot. But it's been streaky at best. You got Vatek and Liberty uh, kicking at noon. That should be a good one. That will be on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN+, Plus is like dominating some of the uh, the the other outer market games which would probably be the easiest way to say it. TCU at Baylor kicks at noon. That one's going to be a – I think that's a trap game for TCU. TCU is mm. is notably good, but Baylor and TCU, that's always a barn burner. Like, you can watch that one until the last play of the game, and it may even go into overtime just the way that those guys play. You got Illinois and Michigan. I don't know, man. 
like Illinois is Illinois. Who knows? Uh, Bama is playing Austin P. Like, why is why is this even still a thing? Like, why do we still have cupcake games? Like, this is major college football. Like, Bama probably needs it to recover, so I'll give them credit for that. But like, holy sm- Austin P. University. I, I mean, like, good school, but not known as a football powerhouse. <laughs> So you know, bringing that seven and three record into Tuscaloosa. Yeah, <laughs> it looks respectable. Yeah, it looks respectable. But Until we the game starts. Yeah, we know what the outcome is going to be. We're going to see the second teamers for for Bama probably about we may midway. See the water boy. Yeah, midway through the third quarter. Uh, UConn at Army kicks at noon on the CBS Sports Network. You got Louisiana and Florida State. That, again, that's that's another one of those cupcake games for for a team like Florida State. At least it used to be. You got mm-hmm. K State and West Virginia. That'll be an interesting one because West Virginia is, is slowly plodding away. K-State, you know, they're they're good, but they're not great. And I think that would be the best way to kind of describe that team this season. Moving down, you've got BC and Notre Dame. So you got the Battle of the Gold Domes at 2.30. That's going to be on uh, the Peacock Network and NBC. Again, I, I'm a fan of Old Dominion. I mean, I'm not going to be like they're not going to be my number one team or buy season tickets. But I mean, given the way that they've been playing the last mm. couple of years, they're 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 a solid football team. They're taking on App State at two thirty. You got Ohio State and Maryland. That one could go either way. Either Ohio State's going to come out and freaking whoop them really bad or it's going to be close. And it's unfortunate because that one's like super, super hard to predict because you just don't know who's going to show up. And you really don't know how long Coach Day is going to keep his starters in, man. That. That's a problem, especially this deep in the season, keeping your starters in until like the third or fourth quarter. I wouldn't do it, but I'm also not the coach. Uh, moving down, you've got Penn State and Rutgers. I don't know. The way that Penn State played last week, they're probably going to beat Rutgers up pretty bad. We'll see. Uh, NC State and Louisville, that, that's an interesting game. Like if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I wouldn't have cared. But seeing after the, the smackdown that Louisville put on NC State changes the calculus on that one. You got number 18, Texas and Kansas. Those are both six and four teams kicking off at 3:30. That'll probably be a better game than uh, than advertised. We'll see. You got Coastal Carolina at Virginia, Georgia at Kentucky. Kentucky, like we would have cared if you hadn't lost to Vanderbilt last week. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. That's terrible. It's a shame. It's yeah, a shame. Like, it is a shame. Like, cause that, that would have been a great matchup. You know, I think people would have been more excited for this game had Kentucky kept it together, but unfortunately they didn't. You got Georgia Tech and North Carolina. North Carolina is playing some really great ball. Nobody's talking about Drake Maine. That dude is putting up the same numbers as, as CJ Stroud. He just happens to be in the ACC and he happens to be playing for, you know, UNC. Nobody's talking about him. I think that kid is, is, you know, legitimately good. They're doing pretty well. They have a, a chance to at least win the division, maybe. Maybe oh, they have already won the division. They've already yeah, quenched a trip to the uh, ACC champion yeah, championship so, game. Yeah, so those guys are, you know, North Carolina's solid team. I, I mean, nobody's talking about them. I think that's going to bite somebody, mm-hmm. particularly later on in the season, you know, or in a bowl game, they're going to come back and, and smack those dudes around. Got Tennessee and the other USC kicking at seven. Then you got Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Bedlam. Their, their whole season is bedlam. Like the game's not even bedlam anymore, just by the the trash that they've the trash that they've been playing. You got uh, USC and UCLA. I, I kind of like these like out of sequence rival, you know, these out of sequence rivalry games because they kind of get you hyped up for next week, which is going to be the big mm. time rivalries. You got Syracuse at Wake. Again, that was a 
that was a more interesting contest at the beginning of the season. It's now pretty interesting because of the slip ups that both of these teams have had. So we'll see how it pans out. Then again, cupcake game for LSU. They got UAB. I don't know if I like that one. Colorado State and Air Force kicks late. And then you've got Utah and Oregon. And again, will the Ducks lay another one? Uh, Utah's pretty good. Oregon's coming off of a, a huge rivalry loss. And can they keep it together for the rest of the season? But other than that, let's take a deep breath and pick some games. Weekly Locks. Dan, what you got? So I went two and one on my picks last week. UCF at Tulane went way over 53 and a half. Uh, App State blew it against Marshall. <sighs> so frustrating. And Army at Troy went way, way, way under 46 and a half. So uh, I called that one. This week, I've got UConn at Army under 43 and a half. Um, I mean, is UConn going to score 43 and a half? Because I don't have a lot of faith that Army can put actual touchdowns on the board. We just haven't seen it in the last X number of games. Uh, UTSA at Rice over 59 and a half. Both those teams have been over a ton this season. And finally, Syracuse plus 10 and a half at Wake Forest. Like you said, I think these teams are in very similar spots. You know, Syracuse getting 10 and a half points against a team that probably, you know, going to go to overtime against, if I'm being honest. Joe, what do you got? Yeah, I went 2-1-1 one one last week. Uh, LSU pushed minus three. Um, Indiana screwed me. Then the uh, TCU was a good call. And um, the uh, over on UCF Tulane that I, I told – I said, uh, Dan, I'll still one of my picks, but I'm going to keep it because I really liked that one, and we were right on that one for sure. Um, starting early in the week, I like Tulane minus three at home against SMU. Um, they lost a tough one last week to Central Florida, but I think a double-digit win total for this team is the standard this year, and, and, it, and I think it should be. Um, I think they just proved that a good offense – and a very good defense beats a great offense with no defense because SMU is already giving up more total points and total offense than Tulane even averages. So I like a Tulane and a pretty close one there, maybe uh, 38, 30, 34. Uh, but I like them to cover the three at home and get back on the win column. Um, then second game is Michigan-Illinois under 43. This is all I'll say. Both those defenses average under 250 yards of total offense and less than 13 points a game they're giving up. Two very stingy defenses. Michigan had problems in the past game last week. It's going to be cold. Illinois' offense does not frighten me a bit. Um, I think Michigan wins this one similar to last week, 34-7. You know, Illinois might get on the board once, and that's it. Uh, other than that, the TCU disrespect continues because uh, – they're only getting two and a half or given two and a half at Baylor. I think they walk away with that one by 10. Uh, either Colonel Rob Rye is going to, one of us is going to be right, but you know, all they got to do is win by a field goal to cover that. I think they do that for sure. Um, and then, Oh, I just had it. Oh, I, I hate to do this to another service Academy, but I, I like UCF to cover 16 and a half against Navy. I think they hang maybe 40 or 40 or 50. Wow. And uh, Navy can, I, I think Navy keeps up for a little bit, but third quarter, like two or three scores, they pull away. And I can see this game being tied at halftime and the track meet just getting too fast for Navy. So uh, there it is, UCF minus 16.5, uh, TCU minus 
Michigan, Illinois under 43, and Tulane minus three at home against SMU. All right, sounds good. You actually took one of my picks, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, so I went one and two last week. TCU's dead to me, man. I give up on them. You know, either, either, either they 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 wrestle they they wrestle the spread to the ground and then they lose it in the last seconds, or they just blow blow through the doors and score way too many points. This week, TCU's defense showed up, so hats off to them for finally like stopping somebody and keeping them from scoring 30 points. But that also hurt them uh, covering the spread. I, I really thought that uh, that would be a much, much higher scoring game, particularly with the Texas offense. But, uh, hey, whatever. A uh, shootout in the Pacific Northwest cost me a, a hook between UW and Oregon. I, 0.5. It was 70.5. They scored 71. Son of a gun. Can't really <laughs> predict that one. And then, of course, uh, spoiler makers came in and covered the spread, and they won. So that was pretty awesome. Oh. I kind of You've been rousing them all season. Yeah, I love the spoiler makers, man. Like, like I, I, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think Purdue is one of those teams that like they live to spoil other people's seasons. Like, to be completely honest, because it's like they know that they're never going to win the, the Big Ten championship, but we sure can certainly knock somebody out of contention. And I think they do that all the time. I mean, Illinois was looking like a world beater, showed up, and then they lose to the spoiler makers. Keep that spoiler maker jersey rolling, and I will be happy with that. All right, my picks this week. A uh, little bit of different logic than than Joe, but I still think uh, UCF will cover that 16.5. Navy played well in a losing effort against uh, Notre Dame, but they got nicked up pretty bad. They got punished by the Notre Dame defense. They had a lot of people get injured. Uh, Lavatai was shaking up at the fourth quarter, so he's probably going to start, but we just don't know how the, the injuries are going to shake out for Navy. And uh, I think the other piece of it is, is if they watch any film and because they're conference rivals – I think UCF will be a lot better prepared than Notre Dame to play against Navy mm-hmm. because they have a lot more film on them. So those uh, those play action passes that they were sneaking in are probably not going to work. Ohio State and Maryland to hit over 65. And the reason why I say that they played seven times since 2014. The lowest point total in the series has been 77 points. The Buckeyes can score. I'm not sure it's wise again, like I mentioned, for Coach Day to keep his starters in midway through the fourth qu- the fourth quarter. But they're going to hang a whole bunch of points on these guys. I mean. Like, I think the most that Maryland has scored has been like 31 and they still haven't won. They're 0 and 7 against the Buckeyes since they came to the Big Ten. And again, lowest point total is 77. So that's an easy over to take if you uh, look back at the previous contest. And then take Louisville to cover four and a half. It's another weird line. I don't know why it's so crazy, but, uh, Hey, I, I think they just they haven't lost by twenty. Like if you're if you're less bold, take them on the under uh, forty five. Because this is a gentleman's bet, they're actually only giving up four now. So I'll I, I will let you have that half point back as far as the rules go because that's the <laughs> right thing to do. But that line did just change to four. Oh, it did so, just change to four. Yeah, okay. So you, they only got to cover four now. Yeah, they only got to cover four. So I think it's reasonable if you look at the past two weeks the way that Louisville's been playing for them to yep. to win to win by at least a field goal, if not more. And uh, NC State, uh, like, their offense is bad. But I also think that they're going to be looking forward to the rivalry against UNC because which is the more interesting game for you as NC State, like your in-state rival or Louisville, you know? Well, one of these teams is much better than the other one, having a better season, higher ranked, you know. Yeah, that, that ACC championship, that thing is coming. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if UNC can still make it, but they both those teams are having good. I'm sorry. I don't know if NC State can still make it, but both those teams are having good seasons. Whereas Louisville, besides that Wake Forest win, I don't know what they've really got there to hang yeah, their hat uh, on. Well, 
Yeah, when you look when you look at Louisville, their resume is not that great. But again, I think they're trying to trip some people up. And when you get to, when you get to that point in your season, you know, when you're you know just under 500 or 500, guess what you want to do? You just want to screw other people's opportunities to get good TV games <laughs> after after Thanksgiving. <laughs> to yeah. be honest, but. We're going to wrap that up with uh, the picks and everything else. So we started talking about it last week, and I know Joe gave his unsung hero. However, we're going to kick it over to Dan because Dan had a, a pretty robust one, and he was excited to talk about it. So, yeah. I, I am, man. I So I've been watching UConn all season, and it's it, like it started as a slow-rolling disaster, right? They, they lose their starting quarterback, Penn State transfer, in either the first quarter or the first half of their first game. Dude had been like five – had like five plays from scrimmage. And so pick quarterback Zion Turner from UConn because he's a true freshman and like he's slowly coming around. But, you know, actually, you have to pick linebacker Jackson Mitchell. Um, dude, he's got to be the best linebacker in college football that nobody's talking about. Like, unless you're a fan of the Huskies and there's not a super huge people like who has heard of Jackson Mitchell? I live in Connecticut and I had not heard of him until this weekend, but. My man has 117 tackles this season, 47 solo, four and a half sacks, three passes defensed, one interception, two forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries. Dude, he beat Liberty by himself. Like, it, not like he was the only, not like he's the only good player on that defense or he's the only guy on that team, but he is the difference maker. It's unbelievable. What an animal he is. So yeah, unsung hero. Nobody coming to this season, and I mean nobody, had Jackson Mitchell on their radar as, you know, one of the top ten linebackers in the country. But he is really, really good. That's the beautiful thing about college football. You know, he probably was looked at as a three-star guard yeah. variety kid that could play special teams, and now he's going to get drafted to play football for a living and make good money. Absolutely, you know, that's awesome. I love those yeah, stories. Yeah, and I think that's the truism of, of, of college football. It's the same thing. As much as I hated to see that guy do it against Army, the, the starting middle linebacker for Troy, that guy just broke the record for major yeah. college football. He's Total so number. good. That yeah. guy is good. He's good. And he's and he's tiny, you know. So for example, <laughs> like if he was if he was racked and stacked against you know your normal recruits against uh you know if you sit him next to Will Anderson Jr. like. Who you're gonna pick? Like just from the visual, you're gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna pick Will Anderson because that guy looks like he can play some football, you know. And this other guy from Troy, I can't even remember his name, but the dude was a, a tremendous linebacker. He's all over the field, and yeah, for sure. You know, and that's the thing about college football; it's just a passion for the game. Like sometimes you don't have the best athletes, and they get themselves into position either by instinct or by athleticism or a little bit of both. And so that's what makes college football such a great thing to watch and like we always say like if you don't like college football find a team and watch them for a season and you'll find out a lot about you know the game itself in and of itself and i know people would enjoy it one of the things i did see on social media this week though and i have to uh, have to shout out and get your guys's thoughts is you know a lot of people are opinionated when it comes to college football and they make judgments based off of zero knowledge and to use uh joe's term non-athletic regular people talking crap about coaches and players because they really don't know, you know, s some of the nuances of the game. And, and again, I'm a front seven guy, so I literally have to watch the game twice. So I'll watch it for the front seven while I'm watching the game. And then I'll go back and watch all the skill positions because I really don't care. I can t tell you how the game is going just by how the front seven is playing. Right. So if you're getting three, four yards off the ball, I know that your offense is moving. Like I don't even have to figure that out. Like if I can see pancakes, you know, in the far end zone, then I know that your offensive line is doing well. 
But then I have to look at the skill players to see, like, was there a fumble or interception or anything else like that? Of course, you can always look at the scoreboard, but I'm always watching the front seven because that's just kind of where I am. And that's where I grew up watching football. But uh, like I saw somebody say, like, people really don't understand the, the level of intensity and required that a coach and players at the collegiate level have to have. Because, again, it's not a professional sport. These guys aren't professionals. They're getting closer to that. But I think there's a lot a lot to be said about that. But uh, what's one of your uh, coaching faux pas that you always see or hear somebody say that makes you just want to say, like, I, this is really why I don't watch football in public? Uh, what's one of mine? Yeah. I, I guess the thing, the biggest thing that drives me crazy is that – when you're watching football on TV, everything is about the quarterback, like interception or incompletion or just like a tire Tyler uh, last week, throwing the, uh, the, the, um, the ball out of bounds and taking the intentional grounding play. And everybody's like, what is he doing? Like, dude, three guys were draped all over him. He was going to get sacked. You know, he's just trying to not, he, he did the only thing he could even attempt to do. And, and it's, that's that's the biggest thing that drives me crazy about it is just like 11 dudes on the field, 10 of them are setting the conditions for success for one of them, and we only ever talk about the one. Like that drives me crazy. I've yeah. got one. I've got one. It's uh my biggest thing with Narps I can't stand is he's got Barry Sanders in the backfield and he's on the sidelines. Well, it's like, hey, did you ever look and see what happened to the kid last week? He's got a high ankle sprain, numb nuts. Like the the guy's not gonna play a player. Like the coach knows. You know what I mean? Like unless it came out that the kid got in trouble last week and he's sitting on the sidelines, it's because he's hurt. That's why he's not putting them in. It's like, and if you had enough football knowledge in your entire body that he had in his pinky nail, you'd understand that yeah, it's the star of the team and he's on the bench for a reason. It's because he's not a hundred percent and they're saving him for this game or for X, Y, Z, or he's taking a, a breather. Is that okay? Or when you played football, did you average 85 yards a carry? Oh, you didn't play. Okay. That's usually the way the conversation goes. Yeah. And one of my things is it's twofold. One, like kids dogging on, you know, folks dogging on these, these college players, their kids, like their deep kids. down inside, they're still somebody's kid and you're beating them up. And really they're doing the best that they can in the, in the situation that they've been put in. But the other part of it is, is when people immediately start calling for a coach to be removed, like after one or two losses, like, OK, I first of that. all, oh, I hate you, that. You know, first of all, there's usually a, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars invested in that coach, just as it is in the facilities, as it is in the players and everything else. So that's one that's one issue. But the other part of it is, is if you have a good coach, it is difficult to find a replacement depending on what school it is. So like if you're looking at the service academies, like we all bitch about Ken and, and Troy Calhoun, but the reality of it is, is those are certain specific types of coaches that will thrive in that type of organization. So like if Ken Niamatoloto wasn't at Navy, he would probably be somewhere else as an assistant coach. Maybe he'll be a, a head coach, but the offense would be different. You know, same thing at Air Force, same thing at Army. Like if you were to remove these coaches and – we know as Army fans, and we could talk about this on the other show too, but we know as Army fans, when you bring in a coach that has a completely drastic departure from what got you to the show in the first place, you're oh, in you for a screwed. whole yep. bunch of losing seasons, right? So you have to be able to, one, recruit the talent that you need to run your offense and also stick with the plan. 
you know, coaches that yeah. coaches that, uh, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater like, oh, hey, we've got this brand new, you know, we got this brand new quarterback and he's going to be the, the future. But you made your living by running 200 plus yards a game. Guess what? Don't change that, you know, because that actually helps you win. And I think Michigan that's one of the a fresh new look when they fired Lord Carr. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things that's one of the things that that I think a lot of uh, people that just don't understand the game. They always jump to conclusions, but they don't realize how much analysis that those coaches and players actually put into the game. And so, again, you know. I know, Joe, you remember this is coming in on Saturday and you see in the, the big board with all your your pluses and minuses for your blocking. Right. There's coaches that get that intricate and give report cards to each one of their players on the offensive line every week. And then they grade special teams and then they grade everything. And so these coaches that are putting in that time, energy and effort, that's all the things that are unseen by the fans and fans just want to complain about stuff. It's not the NFL. So understand that. Yeah. And like, guess what? NFL is even harder to get rid of a coach because there's a lot more zeros attached to that, that contract than yep. even in college. But uh, yeah, I saw that and it was just one of those things. It's like, man, like, like one, don't dog people out if you don't have any experience in it. Cause that, that, truly makes people look at you sideways and go, okay, yeah, this guy really doesn't know what he's talking about, but you can still be a fan of the team or do a little bit of study. Because again, if you're, if you're a football fan, keep in mind, the entire rule book is designed to promote the offense. That is the NFL rule book and the NCAA rule book. It is to advantage the offense because nobody wants to see the old school football games where they play for 16 minutes and the score is three to two. Yeah. Right? If you <laughs> want mean, to see that, go watch sprint football and spoil yeah watching sprint football yeah and that's what it's about so uh, i will pause there because the rant, rant over but uh, what i would tell everybody is you know enjoy the game but don't be too overly critical of some of the players and some of the position coaches that are out there because again like we could all we could all bag on these dudes but these guys are professionals they've they got the school they've learned the trade now if your team goes oh and 13 completely different discussion but if they're winning games, then there's probably a little bit of mix of execution and coaching that could be going hand in hand with that. But all that being said, this is two O's and an NCO or the college football roundtable. We will be seeing you guys next week. We are at week 12, man. Like, holy smokes. Next yeah. week is rivalries, rivalries, rivalries. So I'm going to reach out and see if we can get a special guest on here. Uh, we've oh, had cool. him on the show. Yeah, we've had him on the show before. We are going to try and uh, convince him to come back and talk rivalries with us because I think that would be dope, particularly going into the game because he's one of the guys that played in it. So that is a soft tease. If I get more information, we'll probably put something out on the socials, but uh, definitely looking forward to next week. It's rivalry week. Uh, let's talk about your favorite rivalry game next week. And if you are on the social media and you have one that you want us to talk about or deep dive, just let us know. And of course we know what Joe's favorite rivalry is. And that's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty remarkable game, though, right? Lots of people watch that one. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm Rob, the Angry Colonel. We got Dano Ikebesa coming out of coastal Connecticut and 10 and 0, Trigger Joe out of the big house. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. 
Firebarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to Firebarn.com forward slash military. That's Firebarn.com, B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at Firebarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. And as always, beat Navy.